2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
0: Mocha is a big data repository that that captures data from different sources in order to understand people in physical work.
2: At Mobile Congress, actually, uh, we deployed a number of different use cases that worked beautifully and had excellent results and actually proved that the proximity is very powerful and also can be beneficial from, you know, a revenue point of view. Uh, okay. We have number of success stories when the organizer were able to basically uh, earn three, five times more money than the, 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 the total cost of ownership of, of the platform, including deployment and maintenance.
0: With big data, you can profile, you can understand context, you can understand moments, and with that information, we can communicate with the user to generate revenue. This is the idea.
2: And the conversion rates are very high. We had rates from 12% up to 60% of opening rates, right? and <laughs> click-through rate. Right? And also, we were measuring at the same time the complete funnel from how many people we reached, how many people clicked, and how, and much how much many percent? people physically went to the particular part. So we are measuring performance per, year, per dollar, 60%, 65%, I think of uh, attendees finally downloaded the mobile application Mm of about Mm -hmm. about 100,000 people that attended conference. So this is a very uh, high radio, okay, and every year we can observe it just increasing. You're listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beaver
0: System with Steve Stackler.
1: To the hitchhiker's guide to the beaker system my name is steve statler of statler consulting uh, our partners in this production are proxbook uh, with their proxbook directory and their proxbook report and uh, this quarter their report has been on uh, events uh, and stadiums and one of the companies featured in the report was mocha and i have the two founders of mocha with me for this week's interview and uh, Maria Fernanda uh, um, and uh, Oleg Moraco. And I know I haven't pronounced your name properly, Oleg, but uh, hopefully that was close enough to, to pass muster. Uh, welcome you. to you both. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you very much. You Thank you, Steve. <laughs> so um, you guys are based in Barcelona, right? Are you are you in Barcelona at the moment?
0: Yes, we are in Barcelona at this
1: moment. One of my favourite cities. It's uh, and um, and that is. Um, Uh, a city that gets very busy uh, around about the time of Mobile World Congress and I know that was one of your, uh, um, um, that was the case study that was featured in the report, so I want to talk about that, but before we get into it, can uh, one of you just kind of, uh, so you are the CEO and the CTO of Mocha respectively, Um, maybe um, one of you can just give us a quick introduction to what your company does.
0: Okay, okay. we are Mocha Platform, we are the co-founders. Mm, And when we constructed Mocha, we were thinking about the person and how to personalize marketing for one person, Mm -hmm. and we detect that one person, uh, when people move in general uh, in in the world, uh, people um, are constructing a, a profile, an invisible profile, and we want to discover that profile in order to do marketing for that person or for that specific group of people. Okay? To do that, we need big data analytics uh, and technologies to construct that solution for people. And Mocha is that solution. Mocha is a big data repository that that captures data from different sources in order to understand people in physical world. With that information, companies can uh, understand uh, movements profiles and can connect directly with people via mobile app in order to uh, personalize marketing campaigns.
1: That makes sense. And uh, the origins of the company are you had a big data. You both were running a big data company before Mocha. Is that correct? It kind of morphed from a big data focus to big data applied to proximity and location. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened? And uh, I'd be interested in hearing a bit about your founding story. Yes. Uh, Okay.
0: Uh, Oleg and I, we are PhD. Uh, OLEK is PhD in parallel computing and PhD in physics. Mm-hmm. And we were working in the past doing and uh, constructing big data solutions for big companies. Mm-hmm. And with that solutions, uh, companies could be able to earn money really money because one of the problems in big data is how to extract the value to earn money, okay? And uh, we always wanted to construct that software solution to solve uh, that big uh, data problem for different industries. In that moment, uh, the proximity solutions and big data were not uh, um, words that people used. But in this moment, is a common uh, word. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, we uh, wanted to construct uh, that kind of solution with algorithms and with technologies and to construct in order to construct our product for, um, big escala- to, to give us big scalability. And in the past, <laughs> we began to work uh, this, uh, solving problems for energy sectors, for telecommunications, for job uh, banks, for the uh, uh, travel industry, and with that money that we uh, earned in that moment, and with that knowledge, we detect the focus where we wanted to go, and was the mobile phone, the mobile apps, the personalization, and the marketing. And in that moment, it was beginning the proximity marketing with the big codes, okay? And uh, for the reason, we began constructing construct big solutions for big companies for in order to understand the market, in order to understand the new product we wanted to construct and to earn money to construct our products.
3: Right.
2: So, yes, actually, we, we started doing consultancy, big data services. And as you perfectly know, uh, every single company is a different world, although they have common problems. But mm-hmm. a specific yes. solution is so personalized actually you cannot scale it out to different companies, right? And we were looking for, um, for a solution that you can apply again and again to di- completely different companies. And that takes their data actually learns and brings them direct value so they can benefit from it very easily and in a scalable fashion, right? So this was our requirement when we started thinking that, and actually thinking about Mocha, Mocha and a solution for that problem. And actually mobile phones, actually uh, mobile applications, location, in this context, we, this is the first time in history, I think, that technology enables the creating a new kind of solution that they can take advantage of all this data. And all this data is completely uh, um, uh, scalable. So you can apply this really to completely different, uh, dif- different companies. Okay? And this is, uh, actually was the first requirement and uh, one of the milestones and uh, uh, key concepts for us to actually start a company, product company, which, which market is now?:
1: So it makes sense to go from consulting and, and trying, trying to get a, a product where there's some level of repeatability and scalability so you're not inventing something new for every client. Um, I'm interested in understanding more about what big data can contribute to proximity marketing. and you know specifically, I was actually just reading this morning that Xerox Park who are just this, have this incredible heritage of invention, have got into the Beacon business and they developed this very cool app for people that are traveling on, um, uh, on, on, the, uh, on, on trains to give personalized offers. And so I downloaded the app and, and the level of personalization was incredibly crude. And uh, um, I am just wondering at a very practical level, what is it that you can learn with big data that can make the interaction more personal beyond what you could do with something that's incredibly simplistic? Which if I look at the Xerox PARC thing, you know, they invented the mouse, but their beacon solution was very crude. So what is it that big data can add to a, an experience that I wouldn't get with some very simple rules?
2: Okay, okay. well, I think that big data correctly applied and the right value extracted out of all this, you know, huge amounts of data can be totally amazing, and we strongly believe in this, and we worked toward that direction. And I can tell you that one of our success stories here is Mobile World Congress, when we actually we started from very simple case when we just had a congress, a trade show, huge trade show, uh, with a website and a very simple initially mobile application, mm-hmm. and it lasted three years. We actually achieved very high level sophistication, and we believe that actually proximity helped to uh, overall improve customer attend experience at the congress. So let me tell you the story from from the beginning, right? So, yeah. So three three years ago, we were approached by uh, GCMA and uh, actually companies that work with them to organize the congress, and this was very you know uh, very very appealing opportunity, as it enabled us to jump from typical pilots, lots of companies doing, we, you, you buy 10 or 50 beacons and you put them in the three, four stores and you can you try to see what's the proximity impact, right? which normally is very, very low. Right? And here the context was completely different. We had uh, from scratch 100,000 attendees, uh, five intensive days, basically all IT and mobile industry worldwide coming to a single place, uh, about 250,000 meters square of, of space and 2,000 exhibitors, you know, an of information, right? So in this context, when you think about attendee, and then you can also think as an exhibitor, so they, what are the typical uh, issues both have at the Congress? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. from one side, uh, people come to the Congress and they are interested, you know, to get entertained first, to see what's new, what are the gadgets, what's really, you know, trendy, and so you don't want, you need, you don't want to miss anything, okay? So you need kind of a guide that will help you to ensure that the most important points for you, all right, are, are are checked. So actually you visited them and you enjoyed them, right? So every single person, this list, if you imagine, is completely different, right? Uh, the, the profiles are different, mm-hmm. um, you know, the needs are different, people come from uh, making business, or so they are looking, they are. They want to meet particular people,
1: mm-hmm. okay?
2: And obviously, if you think as a mathematician, or as, as, uh, as we used to think here, is so what is the optimal set of people you should meet during the these five days, mm-hmm. and when and where, okay, so that you can maximize your benefit of the visit. Okay, so if you think of a, a, a straight shot this way, it gives you a number of opportunities and, uh, and uh, usually you can provide to, 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 to people. Right? On the other hand, if you uh, are an exhibitor, obviously you want to target the right audience. You want your message, your products, your, your offers to reach uh, the correct people, and you also want to meet them. And traditionally, what you do is you uh, you know uh, you spend your budget on trying to reach everybody, and then you maximize the number of people, expecting you know that mm-hmm. the right person will get catch the message. Yeah, proximity here uh, is not the definite solution, but it's a huge step forward. Actually, achieving both, mm-hmm. right? So, at Mobile Congress, actually, uh, we. Deployed a number of different use cases that work beautifully and has excellent results and actually prove that the proximity is very powerful and also can be Beneficial from you know a revenue point of view. Okay, so uh, just let me give you a couple, some some examples, right? So imagine that you're a CEO coming from, I don't know, from London to, to Barcelona mm-hmm. Five days ahead and the first thing that happens uh, To you when you land in Pratt Airport, okay, is that you, you, you're you out of internet. I mean, you're uh, you're okay, roaming uh, off because it costs a lot of money. Right. You do watch that, it's normal, it's usual. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the second, the Wi-Fi not always works or maybe you don't want to pay for it. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're at the airport and the organizer of, of the event, GCMA, is willing to welcome you uh, in a personalized manner and is willing to give you hints so your stay is better. Okay. So MOCA, for example, was able to solve that problem: uh, no connectivity, uh, low uh, location precision, and yes, we were able to detect the presence of the person after leaving the plane, and, for example, deliver messages like um, "Take, grab your batch at the airport at the terminal, save two hours of okay. waiting time in the queue in the first day." So this was both useful and welcome by users.
1: So how, how could you figure out that I was at the Barcelona airport if I wasn't actually connected to the, uh, to the cellular network?
2: Right, yeah, so actually this one, these are of the, uh, one of the key components, uh, key technological components of Mocha system. So um, the, one of the first things we, we took into account when designing the platform was that the beacon itself is just a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And you just not just focus on this, all right? The context is a much broader concept, and you need to know who the user is, so you need to know its profile, and also the geolocation as well. So Mocha takes into account geofencing and geolocation technology of the phone itself,
1: mm-hmm. which
2: doesn't, uh, which can be based on GPS, can be based on uh, solar tower triangulation, mm-hmm. all the uh, location services, that, that just the smartphone provides you today, like iOS and Android. Okay, and just taking advantage of this technology, you're just able to detect that you just landed from the plane and you're at the terminal, right? It may require beacons, but it doesn't require them. Okay, so uh, this is the way, and then providing the content uh, because we have the moment, we have a a user. Okay, Um, and then imagine that we are targeting only English speakers. Okay, so just the phone tells you that this is a English language because you configure your phone this way. Very simple. -hmm. But then, how do we provide full screen content when there is no internet connection? So, uh, if you think of it, uh, you know, there are lots of solutions that just work doing exactly that. For example, Dropbox. So, you you synchronize your content, you just download this uh, when you have connectivity to your mobile phone, Mm -hmm. and just this content just pops up in the correct moment. So, this is how it works actually. We continuously synchronize the content with the the cloud.
0: In one sentence uh, about your question. Big data techniques and technologies in the proximity ecosystem is very important because with big data, you can profile, you can understand context, you can understand moment. And with that information, you can communicate with the user to generate
1: revenue. This is the idea. And what sort of, uh, so you talked about profiling the user is that something that was available to the organizers of Mobile World, World Congress, what sort of data were they able... So part of the point of profiling is that the user gets a better experience, but also you, you want the owner of the venue, the, the client, to understand more about what their customers are doing. What, what kind of information do I learn as an event organizer that I might not know without this technology?
2: Okay. Right. So the, the the key point here uh, is actually not only what kind of information I learn. So not, not only the data enrichment, which is one part, okay, mm-hmm. but also the fusion of data. Okay. So by integrating systems, okay. so there is a registration system, there is a, you know linking accounts, etc. So there's all this profile information that the organizers are using. Okay. So you're able to actually merge the CRM data with location data and website and mobile, mobile, mobile phone, mm-hmm. so you just create a unique view, a holistic view of a person. And then Mocha provides this unique feature to give you location insights, so you may know that when you are at a particular place, when you move from airport to your hotel, or when you enter the venue, or how exactly you move inside the venue. Mm-hmm. So for that purpose, we deployed indoor location solution as well. So this gives you the ability to see a floor plan on your mobile app and see blue dot navigation and know exactly where you are uh, all the time. So uh, basically we had a map of mm, more than 2,000 exhibitors. And your exact location uh, with, mm, I think, uh, okay. average precision was uh, lower than three meters Okay. Uh, okay.
0: But one important part here is that we don't only connect data, but we can infer profiles right. with the
2: movement. Okay. Okay. This is a very interesting part here, because uh, it's not only about tracking GPS points, it's about understanding where you are and how much time you spend there. So imagine that you just are moving between different stands, which are different exhibitors, mm-hmm. and these exhibitors, be like, I mean, IBM, Cisco, and they are classified like hardware providers, network companies, cloud solutions providers, etc. Right. And you just can study the interests of people, by just tracking their location during the visit. So you actually infer this information, and this can be directly used to enhance the user profile.
1: So what data, could, what data did the different stakeholders have access to at Mobile World Congress? So if I was an exhibitor, um, could I get insights from this system, or, or was that just something that the organizers saw? You, you've got some wonderful heat maps that you show on your website was that part of what the MWC stakeholders saw? Can you give me a sense of that?
2: Right. Actually, uh, so um, the exact scope of the services we provide for, for our customer, which is FIRA de Barcelona, is disclosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anyway, uh, we can explain in terms of the scope of functionality we, 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 we provide. So, so in, in these terms, we characterize audience in general with the objective on understanding the mobility of the audience, so the organizers are interested to know when people come to the city, how they move, what parts of the city they stay, and how much time, how much time they spend in the venue, mm-hmm. and all these kind of you know uh, mobility related uh, characteristics and metrics mm-hmm. they want to measure to understand what's yeah. the best way of using the space and how to improve the future conferences. Mm-hmm. So all this kind of uh, you know location based analytics. Is a key part of the offering we 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 provide to them, we provide to Mobile World Congress and actually to any trade show organizer.
1: So uh, going and back, maybe we're not talking specifically about Mobile World Congress, but I do have people that ask me questions about what's achievable. So I'm really keen to get a clear understanding of if I'm an exhibitor at a trade show. What, what are the benefits? What's the data I get? As, I mean, one of the benefits is hopefully I'm getting the right people showing up on the stand. So it's not just more people, it's more of the right people. But can I get data about what kinds of people are arriving? Um, what data do I get as an exhibitor? Okay. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, due to the fact that we measure micro data mm-hmm. for every person in the Congress, mm-hmm. during the Congress and in, uh, after and before the Congress, and we track that information, all the proximity campaigns are exactly measured, okay? Mm-hmm. And for that reason, if some uh, exhibitor buy a proximity campaign, they can, they, they can receive the exact information about how many people uh, were um, uh, using the mobile app in that moment, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. many people were in the start. <laughs> in some determined moment when the uh, exactly. customer wants it. Or the, exactly, exactly.
2: Right. So in, in, in terms of benefits from an exhibitor mm-hmm. point of view, mm-hmm. you're actually getting exactly two benefits. The, the, the first benefit is that you can understand the people that visit you and are actually interested in your products. Mm-hmm. It can go down to particular you know, product lines because you can you can actually put sensors inside your stands. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you can tag people when they spend some amount of time looking, you know, if you have tablets, smartphones, etc. Uh, you just tag people uh, by their particular interests. And then you give, you, 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 um, you're you given a tool that enables you to retarget those people, you know, uh, next week or the day, day after their visit with their proximity campaigns. Uh, because you perfectly know that they um, showed interest in particular products. This would be one, 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 one part of the solution. Mm-hmm. The second mm-hmm. is, we, we call it a mock attraction. Uh, and this is a kind of a campaign we designed to attract people to come to your place. Okay, so this how this is performed. So this is a service you, you buy as an exhibitor. Mm-hmm. And this yes. is commercialized by it. Trader organizer as a service. So you are actually you're buying your meter square, you're buying your marketing um, ad on the wall, and then now you're buying a proximity marketing as a service. So um, so for example, imagine that you run your campaign, your personalized content that will pop up uh, as a push notification message uh, at nine in the morning uh, at the main entrances when there is uh, you know thousands of people but you may want to target only CTOs of certain countries. So you're able to do that exactly, right? You reach dot people, and the conversion rates are very high. We had rates from 12% up to 60% of opening rates, right? mm-hmm. click-through rate, right? And then the people just get a full screen creativity, very nicely designed, so it's attractive, mm-hmm. and this creativity invites them to go to a particular stand and see a um, solution or a product. Mm-hmm. And also, we were measuring at the same time the complete funnel from how many people we reached, how many people clicked, and how,
1: and we'll how many click. people
2: physically went to that particular part. So you, you are me- me- measuring performance per, year, per per dollar, actually, uh, of that solution.
1: Well, those are some terrific metrics that you've shared. Um, and it seems like one of the biggest challenges we have in our industry is we we can, for those of us that are focusing on mobile apps, is getting people to actually download the mobile app, and then once they downloaded it to use it i can't imagine a better conference than mobile world congress to to get people to do those things so um, that's wonderful for you guys Um, i'd be interested can you just share how many what proportion of the visitors actually use the app and overall what kind of conversion rates you've shared some of that information but is there any more data that you can share
2: well, actually, yes. So, so GCMA shared this information this year. Mm-hmm. They published about um, 60%, 65%, I think, of uh, attendees finally downloaded the mobile application out mm-hmm. of about 100,000 people that attended conference. So this is a very uh, high ratio. Okay? And every year we can observe it just increasing. But you're right, this is a very specific conference, uh, versus mm-hmm. a very specific audience. Okay, And obviously... This rates for different conferences are completely different. Uh, they, they may be as low as 20%. Okay. But if you look at this, if you look at different mobile applications that makes your life more useful, and if you go to different verticals than trade shows, if you go to travel space, uh, lots of people are using, you know, uh, airlines travel applications. Mm-hmm. So you can search, book, and, you know, uh, you can be in front of gate change or where the luggage is, all right. So these transactional apps, uh, you can use... All the year, not only the Congress. Mm-hmm. Okay, they they have very very high converse, uh, high uh, percentage of audience that is using mobile apps, mm-hmm. and they are slowly migrating to web only, to both uh, to both platforms. Okay? So, right. Mm-hmm. So this this is the context where actually the proximity is highly useful exactly. and it has direct impact to to the revenue of those companies.
1: Well, and I think as conference goers, we're starting to be trained that there's a mobile app. We should expect a mobile app, and we should look to, to, to use it. Maybe a, a couple of years ago, it was a novelty, and most people didn't think to do it. Now, I think people think, well, I, I don't want to be carrying a, a big guide with me. I just want to use my phone, and uh, um, so I, I, th- I think that is very, a very positive trend for you guys. Can we talk a little bit about the business structure for for this? And you don't need to describe specifically Mobile World Congress, but if I was a conference organizer, uh, I had been simplistically thinking, oh, I need to pay to have this app, but it actually seems like this is potentially a revenue-generating opportunity. This is something that I can do to get some incremental revenue and add some incremental value for the exhibitors who are one of the main sources of revenue for, for me, so what should I expect as a, um, as a conference organizer? Should I actually, is this gonna cost money or am I gonna make money from, from investing in this kind of service?
2: That's an excellent question that yeah. uh, we are asked multiple times. Yeah, so actually, um, yeah, so uh, in Mocha, uh, we've been working on uh trade show space for, you know, three years now. And actually we were able to package the solution to address different needs, okay? So we, we have three packages today uh, for, um, we call it premium events, the mockup mm-hmm. for premium events. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the first thing we address is engagement. So if your objective is to improve your customer, your attendee experience at the conference, you buy this package and we enable you with the lowest cost possible actually, mm-hmm. uh, to better reach your audience with campaigns, with messages, with beacons, et cetera, a number of uh, number of features. And obviously this is a cost for you and your benefit is uh, that more people will, will, will be become more happy and eventually they will come later uh, back to you. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the second uh, package we have is, is called monetize. Uh, so it's direct uh, response to your question, right? So mm-hmm. the monetize is, okay, so how can I use uh, this technology to make money? And the answer is very simple because uh, the event organizers, they make money basically by selling services. One of the key services is meter square. Uh, they sell to exhibitors, and mm-hmm. now we just say them, we just tell them, okay, so why don 't you sell digital space as well?" Okay, This is a very useful uh, tool you have, and it enables exhibitors to reach audience in a new ways with using new channels in this particular terms using mobile channels. Right? so uh, We have a number of success stories when the organizer were able to basically uh, earn three, five times more money than the, the, the total cost of ownership of, of the platform, including deployment and maintenance.
1: So you can make money as well as deliver a better experience for your visitors. Um, let's talk a little bit about your partners. You've been active in there, and it's clear that you don't deliver the kind of solution that you've just described, doing everything yourself. Um, you mentioned LinkedIn. Do you, integrate with LinkedIn in order to do some of this personalization, or was that uh, an abstract?
2: No, not, you. Not, not directly. So, n- normally, um, our experience showed us that mm-hmm. different mobile applications, that they have different ways of actually integrating with social networks or their existing CRM systems, etc. So, we didn't want to, you know, go that far. And so, we just have, in Mocha, an API that enables a mobile application to pass us any information uh, that is in the hands of the application itself. So uh, this, is a, this works beautifully in lots of scenarios because we don't need to handle any you know, uh, privacy-sensitive data. MoCast stays out of that scope. It's very simple. We identify users by just ID and then send of attributes. Okay? And this is to you as an application owner to decide what attributes that you have. You want to share it with us and what attributes you want to use for targeting or for better, you know, um, analytics, okay? So this enables us to work with a number of different CRMs like Salesforce, uh, um, Oracle, etc. Okay. And uh, being independent at the same time, right?
1: So let's, um, let's talk about beacons. How many beacons did you have at Mobile World Congress?
2: Right, so um, in the venue, we mm-hmm. run a network, bit below 1,000 okay. and it's normally the idea is not to maximize the number, but just go down to to, to Minimize the costs.
1: Yes.
2: Okay. So um, Basically, this number is huge because of the requirement of being able to provide in the location Okay, which is completely different thing uh, in if you compare this to proximity mm-hmm. we, we, we we maybe we would need you know, hundred beacons to cover all key play, key strategic locations like entrances and uh, hotspots, etc. And this would be enough. But interlocation requires you that every single place you have a visibility signal from at least few beacons, uh, and then you are able to give you exact uh, interlocation. Okay, that's the reason.
1: And uh, the beacons. So, were these star beacons that you were using at Mobile World Congress, or different?
2: different providers. Right. The key beacon used for interlocation, interlocation. and this is Polestar technology, Mm -hmm. and yes, we are using their beacons.
1: Okay. Um, And somewhere like Mobile World Congress, I don't know what the connectivity is like. It's normally a struggle to get good connectivity at these trade shows. So, were the beacons um, just configured as iBeacons, or were you using some kind of Conditional access, rotating the UUIDs and so forth. Which of those were you...
2: Okay, so actually, uh, as Mocha, we we are not actually hardware manufacturer, we are not working on firmware of devices. Right. (laughs) Mocha is beacon agnostic. Right. Anyway, uh, the requirements of such a specific, uh, you know, location by its size and the volume of audience require some specific, very, you know, higher level requirements, uh, or I would call it industrial requirements for for beacons. So in this case, this is Polestar, uh, which is um, very specialised and they are designing and manufacturing Mm -hmm. beacons Mm -hmm. that are both scalable and secure. So there are a number of uh, ID rotation schemes they implement, etc. Yes.
1: But my question really is the ID rotation normally requires access to the cloud. And on a trade show floor, quite often, you can't get to the cloud because there's just too much traffic. So I'm wondering how you solve that. Do you solve it by saying, hey, anyone can see these beacons, or uh, is there some other way that you solve that problem?
2: That's correct. There is some other way of solving the problem, and it actually doesn't require internet connection. to
1: work. Okay, very good. Um, and uh, one of the other uh, beacon companies that it looked like you had a partnership was uh, G Cell. Uh, yes. Could you talk a little bit about them and why you're working with them?
0: Yes, you said they are a company in London. Mm-hmm. They, they have solar beacons, and uh, they want to provide a final, a complete solution to the final client. For the reason, uh, we did with a, with them a, a strong partnership. In order to integrate technologies to solve the problems for the final clients, and when some client buy mm, Gisal beacons, they have all the solution, the platform, the beacons, the analytics, the technology, and the market.
2: Right. Yeah. So the Cell G- is um, they are specialized in solar technology, mm-hmm. okay. And the beacon is one of the products they have in the product line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very interesting for, for all of us that work in the you know uh, proximity sector. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very interesting because actually one of the biggest barriers of deploying beacons is the fact it's hardware. So we leave the um, online world when everything can be uh, uh, actually executed in the cloud. You don't need to physically go to places and there is no maintenance costs. Okay, the beacon introduces this mm-hmm. and this is one of the serious issues mm-hmm. when you think of deploying uh, beacon network on scale, right? Uh, so, so Solar Beacons has this unique feature of uh, install and forget because they are able to continuously get uh, energy from solar source. And you don't need to go to replace battery. You don't need to go you know, uh, to check the battery level. Mm-hmm. So all these additional costs that are incurred you know, are completely minimized. And it's very interesting because we were actually surprised when we met, met, met uh, G-Cell because they were able to work uh, indoor. So you don't need solar. You don't need sun to work. Right. Right. So well, the
1: so the theory sounds great. What I'm interested in is what the practice is. Uh, are you? Does it actually work? Is my question. I guess.
3: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yes. So we, we did certify the G-SOL beacons in our platform. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. One of the first uh, things we we did is you know a test protocol we have designed for every single beacon manufacturer mm-hmm. uh, with us here in the lab and yeah so the the, the the difference is 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 huge for from different beacons in particular we were surprised by two characteristics which are unique the first is that if there is no light it just stops emitting immediately so there is no battery inside oh, really <laughs> light, yes okay mm-hmm. which is interesting because if you think when you need when this can happen at night for example yeah beacon's working at night it doesn't it's not necessary at all right yeah. makes sense and the second is that the the normally beacon emit with a you know 100 millisecond frequency or or, or lower, mm-hmm. and normally this is lower to make your lifetime of the battery really longer. Yes. Right, and they are unique uh, as they don't have this problem. Uh, they are able to emit with a higher frequency, which gives you that uh, the um, at the smartphone you get just get more frames per second. The signal is more stable. Mm-hmm. Okay, and for example, for indoor location, it's very interesting alternative as well.
1: And so, can they do they, they do that supporting iBeacon? Do they have Do they support other protocols as well? Is there like Eddystone, um, ephemeral IDs? And I imagine that would consume more battery to do the kind of encryption and so forth.
2: Mm, they are working with iBeacon. They are iBeacon compatible. Yeah. I don't really know if they are working now on Edison. Uh, it's not. It's out of our knowledge. Okay. I, I guess, but uh, just by driven by demand, yeah. uh, th- th- this will give us an answer.
0: And from the business point of view, I yeah. just said it's interesting for us too because uh, there are a lot of demand of that solutions in a smart cities ecosystem. Oh yes. And for smart cities, the solar beacons are very very important.
2: Okay. So and this gives so the opportunity to actually to showcase a little bit. Uh, custom branding feature of Mocha. So this is one of the things that many partners of mm-hmm. uh, of Mocha ask us. So how can I demo the proximity solutions for my final customers uh, mm, with my logo, with my branding, et mm-hmm. Okay, So actually, we are not white labeling Mocha. We are actually custom branding. It mm-hmm. means that you can put your branding, and this is powered by Mocha technology, okay? mm-hmm. And g is one of the examples. So you get a fully customized uh, domain uh, URL and, uh, and login with the colors, log and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to actually add your hardware product, uh, pack it uh, mm-hmm. with a Mocha platform and very easily make your customer try your hardware.
1: Very cool. Maria, you mentioned Smart Cities uh, applications there. what What are the Kind of use cases and applications for your platform with smart cities, as opposed to um, supporting events.
0: Okay, uh, in smart cities, there are different uh, concepts that we want to in- we need to integrate to provide the final solution. First, the IoT ecosystem, where you have sensors, uh, where you have Wi-Fi, where, where you have beacons. Uh, second, the personalization uh, with the um, visitor in the city, with the resident in the in the city. Third, the marketing part. The marketing part is when you need uh, some uh, information to define the final client with good uh, um, uh, marketing. In that part, we work with uh, marketing uh, partners, for example, with Oyelvi and Isobar in the United States. Okay, And uh, that part, and that solution, complete solution, give us the possibility to construct a, a complete solution for the final user. For example, we have a, a case here in, in Spain, that is Benidorm. In Benidorm, they have an app, and with the app, uh, the tourist is constantly uh, uh, informed about news in the city, about different places in the city where the, uh, the user could be in, in some moment. And imagine that you are in alone in a mountain near Benidorm, you can receive imp- information about that mountain in that moment, but we need to complement with different kind of technologies. And right. smart cities in general, terms need that kind of solutions.
2: Right. Yes, uh, the mm, smart city uh, related solutions they require high level of integration with existing systems. So uh, this also is happening in retail. So everybody in retail and smart cities they have Wi-Fi networks. They are widely available, and many people want to know when the people are. So they need a kind of a heat map. And that's one of the features of Mocha. Mm-hmm. So we realized that just by, by generating heat maps with beacons, or even with the fine-grained location indoor location technology, is very nice, very cool. But it's not enough because maybe 80% of your audience, they don't have an application. Right? So this is when the Wi-Fi kicks in and just increases your coverage. Mm-hmm. So you're able maybe to cover 80% of visitors. It's just enough that you have your smartphone and you, are just, you get tracked uh, anonymously, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, if you need to communicate with the person, you need the application on the phone. Right? So, but, but combining both technologies, you get the full spectrum. So, for example, what we do is we integrate with solutions like Cisco Meraki or CMX Analytics uh, that enables us to interchange data flows Mm -hmm. and present to the final customers, you know, Wi-Fi based heat map Mm -hmm. and on top of it, for example, mobile based heat map. So they have full information which is delivered available.
1: So where are we in the development of smart city infrastructure? I mean, it's very hard for government, certainly in the United States, government moves very slowly. have you actually so is the benedorm example is that actually deployed or what what stage okay so there's actually a benedorm app which yeah. will uh, is location sensitive and that is paid for by the local city or who's the what's the commercial the local
0: uh, city and for the administration because they need to understand the visitor in the physical in the physical world and they need to uh, impact the visitor and they need to construct um, a complete platform to understand mobility in the city. Mobility is yeah. with people, with uh, cars and with uh, different kind of sources that can complement that solution. Right. The first part, they are using mocha but they are going to complement.
2: Right. As, you, as you said, we are at the very early stage of smart cities. Yeah, yeah. It's a new concept and it's still under development. And the majority of projects are pilot projects and mm-hmm. some more serious deployments going on. Mm-hmm. And we just hope that in the following years this will just increase and actually become a reality.
1: So I can imagine a, a city app and as a tourist, and Benedon has lots of British tourists, I know, So, um, which is a double-edged sword, a good thing and a bad thing. Um, so I can see some utility from the tourists, why they would use the app, and I can see why the city would want to understand more about where people are moving. How close are we to the hotels and the restaurants being, in Benidorm, being plugged into that system? Is that happening now? Is it going to happen in the future?
0: Okay. the idea here with the small uh, hotels and restaurants is that they could have a new channel to communicate with the final user. Mm And with the Venidor, for example, with the Venidor app, they have uh, that new channel because they can connect with the final user and they don't need their own app. That is the problem that we were talking about uh, a few moments ago. And um, I think that in the future, the big apps will be the new channel for the restaurants, for the hotels, and the marketing campaigns will be more um, extensive and more democratic in that way because I can connect with different apps to connect with the final user. And proximity is excellent in that, in that way because if you put beacons or if you put your fences in some place where the hotel is or where the restaurant is, you can attract people with different products and with new products and with low costs.
2: Right. So the, I think that the key point here is the question, uh, uh, so who owns the, who owns the audience, right? It's a you know, big battle, mm-hmm. uh, worldwide battle. And obviously, cities are interested in being the owner of their own audience, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, I think this, this, this trend will, go, will spread a lot, and there is lots of technology that will enable that. And obviously, they compete with, they use, but they also want to compete with Facebook, Google, and other big players mm-hmm. uh, for the audience, right? Because this enables them to actually make their lo- local um, economies stronger and build local connections and local ecosystems. And I think uh, this is one of the directions that, that, that may happen. And this is different to Internet and to everything is online mm-hmm. because you need physical devices, you need physical uh, uh, location services, maintenance and people and teams mm-hmm. to work together locally to provide such services.
0: And they are competing with Facebook and Google not only for the audience, but for the knowledge of the audience, for the analytics, because they don't have analytics. And with Mocha, you have analytics in the physical world.
1: Yes, I think the data ownership is going to be very, very interesting, because everybody feels like they own it. If I'm the consumer, I feel like I own my data. If I'm the venue owner, if I'm the city, then I feel like I own the data. The retailer wants to own it. And maybe if I'm a CPG company and a brand and I'm paying for the promotions, then I feel like I should have access to the data. So resolving that and also keeping track of who can see what is, is a big challenge.
2: Absolutely. And that's the goal of the century,
3: right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Very good. Well, good luck in solving that. It's been fantastic talking to you both. Um, I'm so pleased that we could talk to a company that's led by a woman. I feel bad. This is uh, probably our 12th or 13th episode and you're the first uh, uh, female CEO, so we're going to try and do better. we did have, so the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beaker System is kind of the companion book. And we had two uh, female contributors there who did a fantastic job on our RFID and our uh, programmatic advertising section. So um, here's to seeing a stronger female influence in, in our ecosystem. Um, so very good. Uh, M- Maria and Oleg, thanks very much for your time. You guys are doing some really interesting work. Uh, congratulations on the company.
0: Thank you very much, Steve.
1: Thank you, Steve. Great talking to you. you.
2: Actually, going back to your question about music and Mars, right? right. <laughs> I think it would be very simple for, 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 for me. Uh-huh. Basically, uh, I'm a musician myself. Uh-huh. I started with piano and then changed the keyboard, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, but um, I think the good vibe is very important. So this is motivation that drives to do things, right? Yes. Uh, but you, you, your question is very simple. So I just tell you, Shania Twain.
1: Uh-huh. Shania number, Twain,
2: okay. The, the Beatles, okay. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Joseph Triani, which is, you know, hard hard heavy metal, which he's a, he's a, I think, number one uh, guitar player in the world, uh, in my opinion. Okay. And this gives enough energy to do anything you need to do. Right. So Mm -hmm. this would be my answer. Hold
3: up.